Next this morning, if you care to turn there, it's Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Most of you should be very familiar with it already. This is the fifth commandment. Elder Drew taught about it this morning in adult Sunday school class. It's kind of amazing how the Holy Spirit works to orchestrate a message. Exodus 20, verse 12, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Shall we pray? Lord in heaven, we are thankful for this day and for what you have given us in your word. And we praise you even more that you have designed us to reflect your glory, each and every one of us reflecting your image. And to this calling, we seek to find our way for your glory, for our good. Teach us this morning to honor one another and to love you by what we hear. We ask this in the name of our Savior. Amen. I'm not even sure if he's recording anymore. I think the last concert I remember hearing him perform, uh, Don Francisco, was it 2012, I believe. This was a Christian singing artist that sang in kind of a ballad style, and I've always enjoyed his work. One song he wrote over 30 years ago, or he recorded over 30 years ago, and I don't think he wrote it, was called Adam, Where Are You? I'm not going to read the whole text, but it speaks to the creation and how it was meant to be and what became of it. And we're all very familiar with it as we're all very familiar with Scripture. But his words kind of give us a new and fresh light on this. Unashamed and naked in a garden that, was never, that has never seen the rain, rulers of a kingdom full of joy, never marred by any pain. The morning all around them seemed to celebrate the life they've just begun. And in the majesty of innocence, the king and queen come walking in the sun. The words of the lyrics here are appropriate, describing how Adam and Eve were created in a garden without sin, without pain, without hunger. And they were Though scripture is not explicit, they teach us that they were meant to be king and queen, co-regents of all that God had made. God ordained purpose and calling for each one of them, and both of them together. And we seem to have forgotten that. The lines get blurred. And it all began back then in the garden. Another verse of this song, but the master of deception now begins with his dissection of the word. And with all of his craft and subtlety, the serpent twists the simple truths they've heard. While hanging in the balance is a world that has been placed at their command, and all their unborn children die as both of them bow down to Satan's hand. And we're familiar with the account. 
how Satan deceived Adam and Eve. And the world has been under a curse ever since. It's tragic. It's heartbreaking. And you and I both struggle with it every day. Satan did not stop with the deception then. He has continued throughout history, deceiving and lying to every generation. Every generation, even today. And it seems like it, it gets progressively worse and builds an influence that just seems to shout at us so much and lie to us again and again and again that even we, whether it's intentional or not, we just kind of give in and accept it. But we should not. The influence of Satan is powerful in this world. And we need to, with our own eyes and with our own hearts and with our own minds, we need to have, we need to pray for discernment. Lord, let me know. Let me perceive. Let me discern where Satan's lies begin. I don't want to accept them. I don't want to hear them. I don't want them in my life. Ephesians 2, very familiar words, the Apostle Paul said, You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in the work, at work in the sons of disobedience. Paul makes a very clear distinction. This world is under the influence of the deceiver. We have been liberated from that influence. We must not allow the lies of this world into the church, into our hearts, into our own understanding. Now, the Bible teaches that we were created. Even now, we are born for a purpose. We are to reflect his image, and we are to give him glory in all that we do. The Bible teaches that God created us. You're very familiar with Genesis 1 and 2. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female. And the deceiver has been busy telling his lies. But... Focusing in on what I would like to share this morning in his lies that he has been telling. His claim now and has been is that people who believe the Bible and people who believe God think that women are not important. The world under the influence of the seer is telling us that the teaching we have about the role of women, and even the role of motherhood, is that we want to diminish their opportunity, their role, their responsibility. We want to keep them ignorant and in the home and rob them of any opportunity to express their potential. That is a lie. They claim that all those who want women to be diminished in their roles and their abilities and their opportunities are misogynists. Or that's a very big fancy word. I've heard it more and more lately. It means 
you hate women. You want to discriminate against women. Keep women at home. Keep her ignorant. They say that women should be free to have an education. Yeah, they should be. Women should be free to have careers. Nothing wrong with that in the proper context. But for them to claim that we, the church, the Christian kingdom of God, wants to deny that of women is a lie. And even more lately, be very careful what you hear about this leaked Supreme Court draft that's supposed to stop the federal right to abortion. It's been leaked on purpose. I hope and pray that it does pass. But there are forces at play that are trying to stop it. I don't know what in the world Abortion is an evil blight on this land and in this world. It should never have been legalized. And I don't understand. I, it, it is beyond me how anybody could participate. To say that women have a right to an abortion, I'm going to use some strong words here, some strong language. To say that women have a right to an abortion is to say that women should be free to be promiscuous without the consequences. That might be oversimplifying the problem, but that's essentially what it's come down to. Perhaps we've bought into this lie We listen to the world screaming at us, all the lies of the deceiver, and it's easy to forget why we are here. It's easy to give in to the intimidation, the social pressure, the political pressure. It seems that they have, and if you look at history, they have been screaming it for at least the last 150 years, gradually. Gradually, and it, and, it, and it builds to a crescendo. Christians in the church hate women. They deny them their potential. It is a lie from the pits of hell. Don't give in. We are not misogynists. Women are created in the image of God and have a God-given purpose. And we support that purpose. We support that reason. We support that. Mothers are a vital. Mothers are vital to the spiritual economy, and plan that God has for this world. In Genesis three twenty. The Bible says, "Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living." Most of us, when we were deciding the names for our children that we expected, 
looked at all the books and all the meanings of those names. Do you remember what Eve means? Eve means life. That's what the name means. And it means even more to that. Since Eve means life and she is the mother of all living, we need to also recognize some things. We are to honor the title of mother. We are to honor, may I call it an office? Because since it is ordained of God and designed by God, it is an official calling. It is an office. It is a responsibility. It carries with it authority. Yes, mothers have authority. We are to honor the title. We are to honor the responsibilities that mothers are given. And then we are to honor mothers. These are the three points I would like to share with you this morning. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor is, in English, a noun and a verb, depending on how it's used. As a noun, it is simply an attitude of respect that is given. I give you honor. Because you deserve it. As a verb, honor is an action or the mental and emotional posture that I take while I am around that person I want to give honor to. It is how I address them. It is how I speak to them with respect. When the Bible says, honor your father and your mother, we're focusing on the mother because they are always together in Scripture. That Hebrew word honor, depending on how it's used, could be kabod or kabed. It comes from a Hebrew word that it means heavy, weighty, or burdensome. And you might not think that's a good meaning. That's just the root, the derivative. It can also mean held in honor or honor or honor greatly, honorable, honored, honoring, honors, indeed honor, laid burdens, make rich, make glorious. The, the more numerous translations all speak of honor. It is trying to tell us, using this word which could mean weight or heavy or burdensome. It means that when we give honor to our, to our mother, it is something that we should take seriously. We give reverence to God and to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit in our worship. And this would almost, this would be a close second. Honor your mother. Honor the office. Honor the role and the responsibility. We honor the title because with that title comes with some very unique God-given responsibilities. We are to honor the title as well as the responsibilities.
as we understand the rev- with reverence to what a mother should be. This world would have you be ashamed to be a mother. This world will want you to apologize or even hide the fact that you are a mother. But there should be no shame with it. There should always be honor with it. It is a calling that is filled with nobility in God's eyes. It is that important. There is a book out I would recommend Eve in Exile is the title. Let me do, allow me to read just a little bit. And this woman takes a very biblical point of view, a very biblical understanding of the role of women and mothers in this world. Why is it that for a woman to be taken seriously, she has to keep her motherhood or her domesticity far away from the public eye, like the crazy wife in Jane Eyre, who is kept locked in the attic. She's there, but she's embarrassing, so we try not ever to let her, let anyone see her. How did it come about that our obviously natural, creational, biological role as women has become an awkward disqualification from being a respectable human? A role that, if we can't shake off completely, we must at least have the decency to keep distant and mostly invisible. At some point, American motherhood became reduced to one of those brainless, menial jobs that no college graduate should ever have to demean themselves by accepting. But a woman raising her children is not only shaping the next generation, she is also shaping little humans who are given to live forever. The souls she gave birth to are immortal. Immortal. And somehow our culture looks at a woman who treats that as if it might be an important task and says, it's a shame she's wasting herself. She could be doing something important, like filling paperwork for insurance claims. Again, I would recommend the book. But she is trying to encourage women, particularly Christian women, to understand how important your role as a woman and a mother is. There's no shame but honor. There is nobility in the eyes of God for the role of mother. A good mother is a person of wisdom, humility, but she is also diligent and faithful, and she is not a doormat. We are to honor the title, we are to honor the office, we are to honor the role of mother. Remember that honor means, comes from the word heavy, it's important, take it seriously. Do not limit the honor you give to motherhood only to your mother, but give honor to all mothers. I could probably list again and again and again several different illustrations for practical use, but let me just mention a couple. Get your steel-toed boots on. I might be stepping on a couple of toes here. Men, 
you need to keep an attitude of respect in your own mind, even in your own heart for motherhood. If you're ever in a store, in a grocery store, shopping somewhere, and you see an attractive lady, I, I know what you're tempted to do. But then if you look closely and she's got a baby in that grocery cart with her, she's a mother, no matter how she's dressed. Respect her role. And women, young women, I have no problem with you taking care of yourself, keeping fit, but you need to you need to realize that motherhood is a role that should be carried with some dignity and some modesty and some discernment and wisdom. Be very careful how you dress. Also, you young people, the time comes when all of our children will grow and they want to find someone to love and to marry and leave home. Young men, as you find someone to court, you need to respect her family, her mother, and her father. Young men, you need, be, need to be very aware that that young girl that you're dating is someone else's daughter, and he may even, may even be someone else's sister. Respect the family. Young ladies, give respect to the family of your boyfriend or your future fiance, especially giving respect to his mother because your boyfriend was his baby boy once upon a time. And there are many mothers who still see them that way. Because if things go well in your courtship, whether you're a young man dating a girl, or whether you're a young lady dating a boy, their family will one day become your family. Deuteronomy 27, the Bible admonishes us, cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt. Even the Lord himself and Matthew 15, 4 said, God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. If you don't offer respect to the family of your intended before you are married, you won't have respect after marriage, and there will be dissension, there will be division, there will be stress. Let that respect begin early. We are honor the title of the office along with its responsibilities and its purpose. We are honor the responsibility when we talk about responsibility, it's not just cleaning and washing and ironing and nursing. Mothers, you know as well as I do that your job, your task, your role, your responsibility involves teaching, and that seems to be constant. I know that as a father, I kept having to tell my children over and over and over again, 
not just what they should do, but everything about life, not in, in helping them with their school, they had to be reminded again and again and again. And mothers, there's also, I know if you're a Christian mother, there's also praying, and it almost seems endless. There's also encouraging. There is counseling and just being there 24-7 for your children and for your family. It takes a lot of strong faith to be a mother, doesn't it? And sometimes all of that seems to be thankless, like no one notices but God does. Continue to be faithful. Continue to be faithful. Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10, talk about Abraham's faith. Let me borrow just a little bit from that. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in a land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, we all know that Canaan land was the city, the promised land, Jerusalem, the city, the promised land, the real estate, which could be found on a map. But all of that only pointed to a greater, more glorious city, the holy city, New Jerusalem, of which we are all citizens. You and I are a fulfillment of the faith of Abraham. And as mothers, your faith in what God has called you to do on behalf of your children, to pray for them, to teach them, to encourage them, to counsel them, to give them the principles of God, is extending that faith in the generations beyond you. Not just to your children, but to your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Mothers, by faith, your children are an inheritance from God. Your children are to be citizens of that city that was promised to Abraham. Psalm 127, you're all very familiar with it. Behold, children are like a, herit like a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is a man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So we are to honor the responsibility of motherhood, whether you're a mother or not. We are to give mothers respect for what they do. We are to encourage them. We are to love them. We are to support them in every way possible. You might ask, what about the prodigal? What about the child who is supposed to be promised as a child of faith, but wanders away? I know that it is heartbreaking for 
moms and dads to see a child not follow the Lord as they should. What troubles me as a pastor, and I've seen it more than once in ministry, when a child wanders away in sin, they don't wander. Very often they just run away in sin. They pursue something, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's sex, whether it's something, just rebellion. Mothers and fathers will very often, well, I, I cannot deny my child. I'm, I'm not going to lose them. They will enable them to continue. They will not call them back. You need to stay faithful to the Lord. You need to pray for your child. Matthew ten thirty five. the Lord said, I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I believe I've mentioned this before in the Hebrew mindset, in the Hebrew understanding taken from Hebrew grammar. There is no adjectival use of anything between choice of love and hate. Hebrews don't have a word for like. They can't say, I really like you, or I really like tomatoes, or I really like french fries. Their words are given to clear, distinct choices. They're either going to love or they're going to hate. And that's what's being used in this language here. Whoever, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me does not mean that they have to Hate, they just need to make a clear choice. You're going to follow the Lord or you're going to follow a sinner who wanders away. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than... We're all very familiar with the story of the prodigal son. The dad never left home. But he did stay by the gate of his house and kept watch and prayed. And his son returned. That's what we are to do with our prodigal children. We continue to faithfully follow the Lord. We continue to live by faith for him. And we trust that his Holy Spirit will bring them back. If you've taught them, if you've been faithful to teach them, that seed will bear fruit. And they will come home. The office of motherhood, the responsibility of motherhood is serious because it carries eternal potential. Eternal potential. Mothers, know that you are loved. Know that you have been called, even appointed by God, for a purpose. And it is something holy and even divine. Never be ashamed 
of who you are and what you do for your family or for the Lord. And for a very practical purpose, we should also just simply honor our mothers. Honor the responsibility, honor the, the role, the title, the office, honor, honor our mothers. Give them the respect that they deserve. This illustration, as I close, is adapted from, believe it or not, Grimm's fairy tale. It's probably not one we've all heard of very much, very often. Once there was a little old woman. Her eyes were dim and her hands trembled. When she ate, she clattered the silverware distressingly. She missed her mouth very often with a spoon as and dribbled food on herself and on the plate and on the table. She lived with her son, her married son, having nowhere else to go, nowhere else to live. And his and her son's wife did not like the arrangement. She told her husband, I can't have this. It interferes with my right to happiness. So she and her husband took the old woman's woman gently by gently but firmly by the arm and led her to the corner of the kitchen. There they set her on a stool and gave her her food in an earthenware bowl. From then on, she always ate in the corner at the table by herself. One day, her hands trembled rather more than usual, and earthenware bowl broke, fell and broke. And the daughter-in-law said, if you're going to eat like a pig, you must eat out of a trough. So they made her a wooden dish, a wooden trough to put on the table to humiliate her. She ate her meals from that. These people had a four-year-old son of whom they were very fond. And one evening, the young man noticed the father, noticed his boy playing in, intently with some bits of wood and asked what he was doing. And this four-year-old boy said, I'm making a trough, smiling up for approval, to feed you and Mama when I get big. The man and his wife looked at each other for a while and didn't say anything. They cried a little. They went to the corner and took the old lady by the arm and led her back to the table. They sat her in a comfortable chair and gave her her food on a plate. And from then on, nobody ever scolded her when she clattered or spilled food on herself. Each and every one of us will be there one day. You might have someone in your family now that is very close to that. How do you treat them? How do you love them? They are precious in God's eyes. Let them be precious in your own heart. Love and respect them. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day and for this word and for your help and giving us wisdom to understand how we are to live. 
Lord, Christians do not hate women, nor do they demean motherhood. We long to honor. We long to respect. We long to live out our roles with dignity and diligence and faithfulness. So help us, Lord, love you by devoting ourselves to the roles to which we have been called, that we may serve our Lord Jesus and his kingdom. It is in his name we pray. Amen.